All right. Well, I'm in Sydney today. Uh, I'm actually joined by somebody that you threw up from Melbourne. So very appreciative of the effort that you did to, to come to Sydney. So I'm with Matt Hoy from Kelmheim. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So maybe uh, I've sort of watched uh, Kelmheim from afar and I've kind of seen the progression, even just of the brand yep. awareness. I know there's some other high companies that I talk to and they, they talk about Kelmheim and sort of see them as like a, a growing company that's, that's making a bit of a difference. But yep. I'd be keen to understand, I guess, where you fit into the picture of yep. Kelmheim. And then, and I guess, who is Kelm High for the, for the audience that doesn't know much about your company? Yeah, so I'm the general manager, um, work more with the people. Um, Kelm High is made up of three directors. Um, originally, Simon and Troy started Kelm High in 2016. Um, started with a vacuum and some, a little bit of money um, on their dad's balcony. So it's a pretty cool story. Um, all three of them have their own little division. Um, I'm sort of more the people, so... Um, you know, making everything work operationally, um, support everyone where they can, where I can. Um, you know, I'm sort of the the guy that they can come to and trust and, you know, support them as much as I can. If we get it wrong, we get through it together and that type of stuff. Um, but yeah, so the, the Kelm boys still work within the, the company. Um, Steve sort of came about in 2018. He's from Perth originally. Hey, podcast listeners, chances are you either work or you own a business that sells services or rents assets. So as a high company, you're making critical equipment purchasing sales and pricing decisions every day. These can be tough decisions that can affect your profitability. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to have a 360 degree view of your assets, including rental invoices, daily fleet snapshots, and sales performance? Now you can with Rouse Rental Insights. Rouse has been providing a benchmarking solution that delivers actionable, accurate, and confidential metrics to meet the needs of the construction equipment hire industry for over 20 years. So basically, to explain what that means, is that they have a benchmark of a whole lot of data set that you can compare to see what is your utilization, rental revenue, and cost are on various levels, your equipment type, class, make, model, whatever it might be. With over 350 global participants, Rouse collects and aggregates over $100 billion. $100 billion, let that sink in for a sec. $100 billion in equipment value on the original equipment cost basis. And on top of that, they also collect $44 billion in rental revenue annually. Better yet, they also integrate with over 45 ERP systems for direct secure data transmission, so you can get started in a matter of days. You can get started with a free trial of Rouse Rental Insights today. I'll leave a link in the description and enjoy the rest of the podcast. Um, and sort of help Steve and Simon get it off the ground. Um, but yeah, the three directors and I work directly with them. It's, it's yeah, it's interesting. So then, so you're in Melbourne. Yep. But maybe you just want to give a bit of a breakdown of like, what is the, I guess, the, the normal customer for you guys and sort yep. of how has that changed? Because you said they started off doing stuff off their dad's balcony. <laughs> yep. So how has that sort of evolved? Over time. So always been general hire, a general hire company. Um, that was always their target was luxury homes and, and multi-residential apartment blocks and stuff like that. Anything, anything that had a basement, they'd want to be on originally. Um, as we've sort of grown, we've started looking at major projects and government work and schools and insurance and all that type of jazz. Um, but originally it was a general hire company and push for the luxury stuff and that support service that was excellent. Um, you know, quick turnaround times of general hire and stuff like that, that we still, that's still our blueprint. Um, but originally it was the Turak living in the Brighton living and all that type of stuff and the demo saws for a day and, 
19 foot scissor lifts for a week and that was their blueprint originally yeah mm. and so so now i guess like it was really working from home yep. <laughs> to a certain extent yep getting a branch like what's the setup at the moment so we've got two facilities one in west melbourne um, on kensington road and another one in cheltenham uh, on Herald Street, um, they've recently purchased Nova Portables, which is a manufacturing and hiring um, company for site sheds. Um, so they yeah, obviously sell, do you know, um, special projects, but also just do the standard site sheds and site offices. Um, so we've got three facilities um, across the group now. Um, yeah, like I guess like I'm interested to know like that growth where it was just like hiring stuff out of the dad's place to yeah. like today. Has it been like five years, ten years? Uh, three so years? so they were there for about two years, um, and then they went to a garage and okay. then um, sort of like an office, a, a one office, one room office with a garage, um, and then a little lounge room. And sort of um, Simon and Troy would sort of go out there and build scaffold and put up tent fence and do all the transport themselves and um, stored all the scaffold in a little garage and then they got their first uh, office uh, in Roberna Street in, in Moorabbin um, and it was only a little you know probably a bit an eighth of the size of Cheltenham now um, and they were there for about 12 months before they moved into Herald Street um, which is my first facility um, and we've been there since 2019. Yeah. yeah, but it's still a pretty aggressive growth, yeah. It is, yeah, very aggressive, and it's always, it's always been like that since I got there, yeah. Wow. Like, what do they think? Like, obviously them, like, doing the delivery, storing stuff in the garage, and then seeing the business today, yep. and even just saying that you've acquired someone. It's yep. like a massive thing, yeah? Yep. Like, what's the vibe internally? Like, is it still like, oh, we're just getting started? Or like, what's it, what's it like? Definitely just getting started. So they've got a picture in their head that they, they don't know where their ceiling is yet. Um, we're constantly learning as we go. Um, you know, our biggest investment came at the start of this year. Um, so, uh, yeah, look, I started there at Cheltenham when there was five staff and three of them were Calms and one of them being their old man, yeah, which so is the fourth. The so I've seen, you know, a lot of people come and go. Um, you know, a lot of people go and come back. Um, so yeah, the, the growth's been aggressive, um, and it's always been their business model is aggressive and, and push and utilize as much as we can, reinvest as much as we can. Um, they've all got jobs within the company. Their hardest work is in the room. So yeah. So the first thing I think of, and we kind of spoke about this on the phone briefly, like general manager of a growing company that's yep. really going places. Yep. Like you're pretty young. Yes. Like there's a bit of pressure there in itself. I I, um, like, how does that sort of fit into the picture, do you think? I don't feel pressure, if I'm being honest. I'm very lucky that, you know, Simon's been in the industry for oh, since 2000 or 1999 at Swan Hill Hire. So he's sort of seen big companies. He worked at National Hire, which is what Calum Hire's business model has been built off. Very similar. Um, Troy's been in banking's since he's 18, you know, managed, managed banking branches and Steve's been in sales. So I've had a lot of really good support networks around me. Um, whenever I've felt pressure, they're very good at identifying, you know, oh, geez, he, he looks tired or he looks like he's under the pump a bit. And they're very good at putting their arm around me. Um, and I'm learning every day. So I guess I've been very lucky to have three people that have trusted everything I've done. Um, and if we get it wrong, it's not sort of, it's never been, um, you know, Matt, you need to be better next time. It's sort of like, let's sit down and come together as a, as a unit and work out how we can get it better next time because yeah. we all make errors. Um, and they're very good. I've been really lucky with those three guys. They've, they've been 
detriment to my to my development and then obviously a big part of i think them putting their faith in you is the fact that you've been there when the company was like really really small yeah and seeing that that sort of growth and understanding because even from your perspective like like where do you think the big change happened from like managing staff like was there a moment where i was like wait a second we've got a lot of staff now yeah um i think it I don't think it ever has ever happened until we bought Nova, in all honesty. Um, I felt like, um, you know, we, we had Fairfield and we, we made Fairfield a bigger branch and we moved out to West Melbourne and that facility's still got about six or seven staff members in it now um, and a mechanic. And that's constantly growing as the turnover increases. You obviously have to get more staff. And Cheltenham was five staff members and now there's about oh, 25 in there now, including drivers. And it's sort of something that we've never looked back on and, you know, it sort of looks intimidating of like, oh, there's all this stuff. It's sort of just, mm. we've always recruited the right people in the right places and the support's always been there. And it doesn't matter if you're on the pressure washer all the way through to the branch manager, every single person in the, in the team comes together to get it done. And mm. it's not just, it's not, we don't division everything. Like everyone's got their role to play, but every, every single one understands each other's role to help out where they need it. So it's never been intimidating, yeah. the staff people, you know, the staff numbers to me. I think it's good. That's probably a very good trait for personality to yeah. like not get overwhelmed with pressure. No. Like, you know, people like things get hard and they start like compounding like all this stuff Definitely. that builds up. I think that's probably a key trait for anyone in leadership because things are always going to get hard. Yeah. You know, oh, matter. absolutely. And it's just, I guess that will never change. Um, you know, as people continually take on more responsibility, the pressure is obviously there, but the coping ne- mechanism for every single one of us is we all understand that, you know, you're going to get it wrong. No, no, you're not going to get everything right every single day. That's a higher controller for, to, for, to, for transport. The service team, they might, you know, miss a run up and it's going to be late on site and stuff like that. You've got to sort of create an environment where every single person can't be afraid of making a mistake and you've got to support each other. And if you can't get that right, mm. you're never going to take the next step. Yeah. And so... You mentioned earlier that they kind of look after their own divisions. Yep. So is it like is there a split up within the company or how does it work? So Troy's the finance guy. Um, so essentially, uh, he nothing gets passed in unless he puts okay. a stamp on it. Um, Steve's sales, entrepreneurial, business mind minded guy. Um, he's traditionally was the first sales rep at Calmire. So I had the privilege of high controlling to him as a sales rep mm-hmm. um, and people internally know what that means because he's, he's very rapid. He's, he's very fast paced. Um, he, he's very, he's, his rapport with guys on site is second to none. I, I honestly believe he's the best rep in Melbourne. Um, and Simon's the operational mastermind. So he's the one that's been in high for so long. So all of them have an opinion in the business, but they don't sort of cross into each yeah, other's okay. departments. So one's like really making strong processes. One's growing the business. Yep. And one's like doing the checks and balances. Definitely. And and it all comes down to, you know, if Steve might want to, you know, reinvest and Simon will have an opinion on that. And then Troy will sit down and say, well, here's the reality, boys. Mm. This is where we're at. You have to meet me somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Um, and I've sort of been involved in that and they'll get my input. And it's, it's, it's collaborative. We all, we all sort of get involved. And, and then to, to have that growth as well, 
Like I think some companies get very lucky where they just grow. Yeah. But most of the time you got to have a plan because yes. if you don't have the processes in place or the, or the right staff or the right equipment or the right finances yep. and all that sort of stuff, um, how much planning goes into really like setting up that growth? A lot. Um, you know, we're meeting sort of every second week we're meeting. We're constantly looking at sub-hire reports, utilisation reports, um, demand, you know, project coming up for 18 months i need this do we want to look at investing in that area rather than having to sub hire it um constantly putting our brand on sites as opposed to sub hiring mm. and sort of you know mix and matching what's on site and we're, we're very big on that and obviously our color's aggressive um it stands out you know you can see calm high from 500 meters from site so we're very big on putting our brand on site and the reinvestment comes from just a collaborative approach. Obviously, numbers are important from choice perspective, um, but you know we're constantly looking at utilization. We're constantly looking at sub high reports and how that looks, and is there a trend and all that type of stuff. And it's it's every fortnight we're looking at it. Yeah, yeah, that's like the worst thing. Yeah, you got something out on sub hire. Yeah, and then a machine comes back. Yeah, that would serve that purpose and then yep. the machine's sitting in the yard but then you've got a sub hire out there yeah, i reckon right. that happens way more it than happens everyone. it happens often um and i guess that's the good thing about our team you know our high controllers senior high controllers troy's always all over it i'm always always all over it is if there's something on sub hire we've got something in the yard that becomes the priority in the in the line sort of get that run up get the pre-hire inspection done call the customer can we swap it out it's not going to cost you anything especially long-term rates um because it can hurt you, you know, because mm. you can have something sitting around in your yard for a long time and sure, sure enough, you've got a telehandler on site. And it can get, yeah, it can it can sort of mess with your utilisation reports, but it's just what it is because we're one-stop shop. We, we promise that we're going to get it there and that's what comes with that is sub-iron equipment. So then your branch, like I guess you've got like the traditional, let's just say Kennard's Hire where they've got like lots of branches. I think they've got over 200. Yeah. Um, then you've got, I guess, more like a, I guess, like an Orcot, which is more like hub style. Like they've got the one in Seven Hills, which is like really like a transport hub. Yeah. I guess like, are you, is your branches more like the individual stores or are you going for a bigger store that serves like multiple purposes and all sort of stuff? Bigger store that does multiple, yeah. Do you see that trend happening more in general hire? I think so. I think so, definitely. I, I th- we find it more efficient, definitely. Um, and the other thing is, you can train everyone in all areas. And if you know, if you have another facility, and that you know, if you, we we're big on recruiting from within, so our branch managers are usually operations managers or senior hire controllers previously at Calm Hire. So that whole model of you know, what's your next step look like? It makes it easy because they've been involved in a facility that that already does mm. um, sort of what we've we're looking at so we find it more efficient definitely yeah yeah and then so because everything's within that branch or multiple branches yep. all the transport you're doing yourself and all the maintenance you're doing yourself everything as well. yep because you've got a pretty wide range of equipment yes how does it go from a mechanic standpoint to maintain that at all um so we've got i mean you can never have too many mechanics can you no it's hard um, to get them yeah that definitely um and we found that the last 12 months mechanics have been hard to find um Small engines mechanics, and we, you know, we've we've been lucky enough to recruit a couple of guys, ex mechanics, small engine mechanics from Still, and they look after the general hire fleet. Um, and then you've got the workshop techs and your, you know, EWP specialists and earth moving specialists and stuff like that. But what we do is we get the small engines guys to help out, 
with the techs internally. So, you know, general hire, you might have 20 things come back in a day and they knock it over by midday. They'll jump on the, on the pressure washer or they'll jump on the 19 foot scissor lift that needs to be run up for the next day and stuff like that. So we try to make everything hybrid. Mm. Um, so it takes the pressure off. Yeah. And I guess like one of the challenges is like if you've got lots of different brands, yep. then it's even harder to maintain because they do you, do you try and have consistent branding across your fleet? Very big on branding. On, on we're, we're very um, preferred supplier orientated. So obviously AWP for us is probably JLG's 90% of the fleet. Um, Yanmar excavators, the only um, excavator we have that's not Yanmar is a Sumitomo, a 14 tonne. Um, but everything is, you know, we're big on our supplies. To, to For us to invest in you comes an expectation of backup service and we've been very staunch on this for so long that because the downtime of machines is what hurts business. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you can't get us a part for say from interstate within a certain time frame, um, that makes it hard. So we're very big on a preferred supplier who can back us up with service. Um, and we, we Simon's, Simon Calm in particular, he's um, very big on JLG and, and Yanmar and Bomag and Sumitomo and Manitou and stuff like that. Um, so tried and tested branches we're huge on yeah yeah well, scott daly's in melbourne so i'm assuming you're all over you guys yeah <laughs> yeah <JLG. laughs> yeah yeah uh, that's good i think that's definitely a key thing like i've seen lots of businesses where they have like a, a big scatter of all these different bits of gear and it's like how do you like forecast like maintenance and yeah. know that you, your staff have the right skill set yeah and whatnot but sometimes like if you buy a business you kind of buy into that yeah um, but i think if, if someone was to start a business today you want to try and have those those set brands definitely that you got in there and you know all right we know if we're doing access we're doing this we're doing rollers we're doing this and so on and so on which is exactly what we do yeah Yeah. and then keeping on the brand side so i would say in australia like there's probably 10 15 companies that are very good at marketing themselves i would say um usually because they've got pretty big budgets yep uh kelm hire kind of like it's a bit of an outlier like you, you're that small to medium-sized business that's growing very fast. But yep. I think your marketing and your brand awareness, like you spoke about the color of the machines being the green. Yep. Like it seems to be a little bit of a level above as well. Yep. How much effort goes into building that brand? So with marketing, Steve Kelm's been massive on this since I've sort of moved into Kelm High, um, which is four years. He's always been that one in the meetings, like, well, what about the marketing division? And what about the marketing division? And, um, you know, can I get some money so I can get some Google AdWords and SEO and all that type of stuff? And um, I mean, we understand that the world's becoming digital and we need to be everywhere our customers are. Um, And although the heart of what we do is face-to-face, our biggest thing is sales reps on site, face-to-face, create the rapport and relationship and stuff like that. But um, making our website easy to use, easy to search what you need with all the specs, and stuff like that is an investment in itself, in my opinion. Um, recently, we've put on a customer experience manager, which I've spoke to you about from Coles and Flybys, which is a big corporate chain. Um, so she's recently pushed the social media stuff. Um, and we understand that, you know, we live in a world where everyone's on Instagram and Facebook and flicking through at night time. And if you can get some type of representation on social media, especially free advertisement, yeah. um, you're not going to go wrong, are you? No. Yeah, well, I, I just, I think, like, even your website is obviously pretty 
pretty easy to use. Like I was trying to flick through and just trying to do like the, the little quick test, like how fast can I get through to, to yeah. check something? Yeah. And it's pretty obvious, like like where the different uh, like types and classes of equipment are and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Like where do you see the direction of hire? Now, I was having this conversation with my wife the other, other night. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> I was saying to her that like majority of like transactions in the hire industry don't, aren't through online. And she was like, what do you mean? Like, oh, well, you, you can't really just go to a website unless you go to Kennards or something and actually hire something yeah. online, get a, an actual rental contract or hire agreement, yeah. see the rates and it's just automated like you're hiring a car basically. Definitely. And she was like, that's insane. Yeah. Like how, how is that acceptable? And I was yeah. like, that's just how it's always been. It's always been like that. But yeah. then like, are you seeing like a bit of a trend? I, People like the next generation of people are coming through with expectations. They're on their phones and all that sort of stuff. Like, yep. what, what are you seeing? Are you seeing a bit of a change? Yeah. Look, when uh, four years ago, it was everything was just a phone call, email, and stuff like that. I have noticed a change in inductions for equipment on site. Like, it used to just be a send of an email of it last 90 day and it's last annual and a risk assessment. I've noticed a lot of our major customers are starting to use portals for safety um, yeah. inductions and stuff like that, especially, and then do with the Metro tunnel and you know the, the Western freeway and all that type of stuff in Victoria. There's a big push for safety compliancy at the moment. Um, and I know it's always been there, but everything's more portal based now. Um, and every single company's got a different portal. I know. I've seen. Um, I saw machines with like four QR codes the other day. Yeah. You got to scan the QR code depending on what contract. That's you're that's what I'm saying. So just wrapping our head around that change is is tricky. Mm. Um, but I guess with our customer base, I think our point of difference has always been the face to face interaction. So our website making it easier to, to navigate your way through, creating that removing that digital component from a customer and they can just make a phone call mm. it's still still important in hire in my opinion yeah. i think um, it's a long way away before it sort of transitions definitely um, but i think canards like they won't care if you're talking about their business but like i yeah. think roughly i'm not sure the exact numbers but roughly the website does around a branch yeah maybe even a little bit more yeah but it wasn't always like that like it was less and so i think when someone starts a website and, and goes you know what we want to try and push as much revenue through it they don't get traction for the first year and they're like well it doesn't work yeah and so it'll be interesting to see over the next five years on how that transitions and i think yep. the the real transition doesn't start from actually giving people like the ability to do reservations online it's the ability to do on hire reports definitely online yeah hey sign in and look what you've got on hire yep did you want to off hire something online? Did you want to return something online? Definitely. Because then what that does is they do it like, well, I can do everything else on hire, like yep. online. Can I also like just do the same contract as last time and just yep. request it? Uh, those sorts of things. I think if someone tried to go from zero to 100 straight away, it won't happen. But if you start exposing small bits of online functionality to customers, yep. they start going, well, how? what else can I do? Definitely. And I think, I mean, some of our major customers since I've been around, even before, get on hire reports. But that's as simple as an Excel spreadsheet oh, yeah. to an email, on an email. Um, but, you know, off hiring and stuff, that would probably be a CEA's best friend um, because it puts a responsibility back on them as opposed to a phone call or an email and stuff like that. They can simply jump on a portal and just off hire. You get your alert on your system. And that would be a positive change in our industry, in my opinion. Yeah. Because, and the accountants would love it because there's less credits. Um, yeah, so I, I know our financial manager, Liddy, would, would love 
you know, to remove the credits from the system and put that back on the hirer. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I think you can also like try and limit those credits, even if you had something like a text message or an email. Definitely. It goes or out, even at minimum, just to like try and have a confirmation. Yeah. Essentially. But yeah, obviously the online experience changes it all together. Definitely. So that, that's, I, I really hope the industry goes in that direction. But yep. there's a lot of old heads out there that, yeah. that, that like... It would, like the old school, like 50 calls a day. Yeah, <laughs> it would be the young generation pushing it, I think. Yeah, but yeah. as soon as like a, there's a person that's in their uh, early 30s that's at a high, a contractor that's um, a CEO, and he goes, no, 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 I'm only going to choose high companies that provide this type of service. Yep. It kind of like forces other companies to like Make lift change. up, yeah? Definitely. And then, then you could sort of see which companies want to actually innovate. Yep. And then the ones that don't just stay small or they get left behind. Definitely. So, But I definitely see you guys as being a company that's growing, innovating, yep. changing direction as you need to yep. and whatnot, which I think is pretty exciting. And when you grow at the rate we are, you're constantly pivoting. You're constantly trying to keep up, to, keep up with the, the major players and what are they doing and what can we do better and mm. stuff like that. So we are. We're always, always adapting and changing to what our customers need and it's you know some of the major players especially in construction it's hard because their expectations are different and you're just constantly just pivoting to to what they want mm. um, on every hire i guess so yeah no i think so definitely agree and i guess like with like seeing like someone like Kelm as well growing so fast, like I guess from the outside, because you guys are very good at social media as yes. well. Like yep. I, I see your posts on LinkedIn quite a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so like, it's not always roses yet. Like when you're growing the rate you are, Yep. Uh, I guess from the outside, it's like, why can't we be as good as them? Like why, yep. why is everything so perfect? But there is chaos. Definitely. That happens. Yep. But it's more about how does the team deal with that chaos? Like you said before. Yep. Um, and if the team can come together, then it sort of grows. I think that's the important fact that because some people just like they, they it's like on Instagram, you're like, why does everyone look so good? Yeah. But it's like same thing with like a business. Yeah. Like why is everything so positive? But yeah. really, like they're suffering the same challenges that we are. We just, they just don't talk about it. Definitely. So I guess with all the pressure that we deal with, and obviously it looks great because we're constantly growing and we, we doubled in turnover during the COVID period. And I don't know many, if many people can say they did, but we definitely did. And our biggest um, investment was off the back of some of the COVID numbers that we received. Um, but with that come does come chaos. And there, there, always, there always is a month where you go, oh, we didn't have a, you know, a month as good as we probably should have. Or, you know, and you're not going to break records every month. And that's mm-hmm. the reality of it. Um, but I guess, you know, Troy's very big on finding trends and very big on, um, you know, pushing utilisation of equipment constantly. And if he sees a trend in EWP dropping off, we will create a memo amongst a group, you know, get around the sales team, let's push some of these EWP or push some of the scissor lifts or some of the forklifts or whatever the agenda is of the month. And um, the best thing that we do is we come together. It's not one person's responsibility to, to push the memo. It's every single one of us. And I guess... We've created a group where it's it's not my business. I treat it like it's my own. And I think that's probably one of the biggest things for Callum Hire is every single person in that company feels the dips and feels the highs. And we mm. all celebrate the wins together, but we also feel the hurt, you know the losses together as a group. Um, and we all treat it like it's ours. Um, yeah. So that's the biggest thing is creating – we've created a culture 
um, that we that's fallen in love with the process of the highs and lows of, mm. of winning and you don't win every time yeah. and sometimes you lose. And then talk to me about the green, green yep. machines. Um, the, the truth behind the green is um, Simon Kelm was sitting down with Troy and Steve um, early doors um, and they asked, oh, do you want your machines powder coated? And um, Simon happened to have a big lighter in his pocket and it was the lime green that's on our machines now. Um, we always, the color wasn't so much a thing. It was always identification mm. of our equipment. Um, I mean, if you go on a site where there's 50 scissor lifts. Yeah, they're all how, orange. And they're all orange, JLG orange. How are you ever going to, you know, and it creates a contractor's nightmare because if he's got 20 and there's 50 on sites and he doesn't know who's using what and all that type of stuff, um, it does. It, it identifies Calm higher. And, you know, I was actually having this conversation with a customer the other day and he's just like, the best thing about Calm Hire is I can't miss your machines. I know exactly where they are. Yeah. I know when the plumber's, you know, snuck your machine for an hour and I can sort of chase him up. And, um, yeah, it's it's all about branding. Mm. Yeah. Well, if you take, like, a book out of, like, some of the biggest high companies in the world, look at United Rentals, they've got yep. the blue, and then you look at um, Sunbelt, they've got that green. Yep. Uh, so there's there's a few lessons there that they're trying to make that brand Definitely. awareness. Yep. I think small companies in particular and big companies, I guess, like it probably adds a delay yep. in getting equipment, yep. I'd say, because you need to get it painted. Yeah, of uh, and then so some people are like, oh, I'm in a bit of a rush. Like I want to get the gear faster. Do we really need it painted? Um, and so like that's just something that you need to forecast in terms of like what's what's coming up. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you look at Alfasi, they're white. Yeah, and that you can see an Alfasi machine from a mile away. And, um, yeah, they've been yeah. white for a long time, actually. Yeah, they so, have. Yeah, and then I guess from from me talking just to the market, uh, it seems to be a little bit of a consensus that things have dropped off a little bit from July. Yeah, I'd say uh, there was this this unbelievable <laughs> run. <laughs> I can agree with where that. Where yeah. people are breaking records every month, and yeah. everyone's high fiving each other, and then probably around July, August. Yep. And we're like, oh, there's a bit of a dip and yep. a dip and a dip. Um, are you guys seeing that in the business? And is that something you sort of forecasted? We would, we, as we were just talking about this, we, we could stop breaking records up until probably July. And it was sort of, we got to a point where we were just like, well, what's the next month looking like? And what's the next month looking like? Um, we haven't seen massive dips, in all honesty. Um, we're very good at, uh, we don't, we're very big at looking at, constantly looking at a bigger customer base and stuff like that and then we're not we don't really just delve into major players we, we're very big on you know some of the smaller accounts and what do they look like and they get the same treatment as the biggest account in the, in the company mm -hmm. so um, the dip for us wasn't wasn't massive um, was there a dip definitely um, but I guess you put the pressure back on your sales reps to go and you know widen or broaden that customer base and so you can you know, you don't hurt as hard. Yeah, and then not overfinance yourself. Definitely, it's <laughs> a big thing. Yeah, that's definitely yeah. like the like the the story that you were telling me before the podcast, like wanting to get a large number of scissors out there, but they wanted to agree to it eighty dollars a week for the eighty dollars a week. Yeah, so uh, that's the thing. I mean, 40, 40 scissor lifts at eighty dollars a week. You know, for twelve months. You know, we have them there, sitting there. That's no problem. But what standard are we setting for the industry if we do get involved in that? I mean, um, you know, and you could talk about all the new little hire companies popping up around Melbourne and Sydney and Queensland and stuff like that. And, you know, some of the companies with 
larger amounts of equipment setting the benchmark at $80 a week for a scissor lift, we don't involve ourselves in that. We, we sort of set the standard. We, you know, we've got a system in place and unfortunately we just we don't get involved in that, yeah. that battle. I think uh, the guy that tells his story the best, I think he's Tim Nuttall. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> he loves drawing pictures. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been in his office a few times and he draws pictures and he's got this picture he draws around discounting and how it affects the industry. Yeah. But yeah, it's a race to the bottom. Yeah, it's definitely. It's like the, the newcomers, they feel a bit of pressure. They can see the machine in the yard. Just get it out just so it's not in the yard. Definitely. And then, all right, well, that rental rate, isn't just paying off the equipment. That rental rate is paying the salaries of the staff, That's the right. operations, the whatnot. Yeah. So like, how long is this going to last? 100%. So, I mean, that's that's the thing. See, for us, if we send you know, 40, 50 scissor lifts to one site at you know 25% of the market rate, it's only going to be three months later where you go, geez, I need those 50 scissor lifts back. Mm. You know, if you're pushing, you know, and you're pushing your sales reps to go and find that. Um, that work for it so um, I mean for us we've never been involved in that type of market Um, we do have you know a certain liability to it but our biggest push has always been luxury and multi-residential yeah because yeah and then it all comes back to service yeah definitely you're going to deliver the machine in x number of hours once they call you if the machine breaks down you're going to swap it out or repair the machine as fast as possible absolutely uh, all these sort of add-ons on the service that you should be pushing, not the, oh, we're the cheapest guys on the block, so don't worry, you're going to save money. <laughs> we actually had one of our um, customers who do a lot of work for Downer and stuff like that, and um, he called us up looking for a scissor lift the other, the other day, and he's just like, uh, how, quick can you get, how quickly can you get it there? And I said, oh, about two hours. And he goes, oh, geez, you guys firefighters or something. You know? So it's just like... <laughs> You know, and they're happy. Like you're, you're yeah. talking about a tier one subby who can easily go get cheap rates, and they just turn around. They just want the service. Can you get it there in a certain amount of time? And they're happy with that. You know, and it's it's really it's only eighty dollars extra a week or whatever it is. Um, you know, if you can get it there and save them an hour, you know, it saves them the eighty dollars in labour on site, doesn't it? I heard a crazy story uh, earlier this week, so I won't name drop the company. Yeah, that's all right. So. Uh, they rented out a 90 foot scissor and then the price for the scissor was. Yeah. Uh, and then their transport uh, was uh, 100 bucks or 120 or whatever it is for the for the transport each way. Yeah. And then the customer saw that they had trailers Yeah. as well. And they were like, okay, I'm going to rent the trailer for a day, pick it up myself, drive it to the job site and drive back the trailer and it'll save me $25 or whatever it is on yep. the transport I was like that is ridiculous like what about your time Who- time petrol all <laughs> yeah. that sort of stuff and then they were joking saying that the hire for the trailers needs to be the same as the transport <laughs> moving forward but I was like that I just wouldn't have hired to them I was like that's not acceptable yeah yeah, yeah. I mean uh, and I've had this conversation with a few guys on site you know like we promise you if we 90 minutes on general hire you know and some other companies are three hours four hours and oh but you're $20 more expensive and that I understand that, but you've got labor sitting around for 90 minutes extra. And when you really look into the, you know, the crux of time and, and service and reliability, that is an investment in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're very big on that. And that's our big customers understand that. And, you know, some of them are just like, they can't believe what we offer. Yeah. So why do you, why do you think you can deliver stuff in 90 minutes? Like, what do you think is the key? efficiency in the hire controlling office um you know we're very big on pushing deliveries clearly because that's the most important 
part of the day for a higher controller is, you know, someone calls you up at 10 o'clock and they need a jackhammer. They probably needed it at 8 a.m., didn't they? So if you can prioritize that around your three collections you got at the back end of the day and push that jackhammer to get to site, um, and sometimes we're there in 30 minutes, you know. So from Cheltenham to Brighton or Cheltenham to Turak, it's only 30 minutes. Mm. 90 minutes is worst case. And um, we feel that it's a, it's a time frame that some people just can't come to terms with. And they just go, how do you do it? For us, it's just like that's an expectation. Yeah. I guess for the smaller gear, it definitely makes sense. Yeah. But if you need like a flatbed truck or something, yeah. it's a bit more complicated. Definitely. Um, so with our flatbed truck, We've got four tilt trays. Um, that's been a part of the re- recent um, investment. Um, so we've got truckies that start at midnight got, and we stagger their starts all the way up to seven o'clock. And that's just purely, again, reliability. And you know you can knock over those, um, those factory jobs and commercial areas and stuff like that at one, two in the morning and get a gate code and drop it into a car park. And then you get the guys that start at six o'clock that need to be on site first up at seven by the time they load up and they're in Brighton at seven, you know. Yeah. I guess it's just the business model. It's the expectation. It's the efficiency from the hire controllers and and they understand what the expectation is. And that's constant mentoring. Mm. Um, And that started with Simon Kelm. I mean, he's been a hire controller, you know, branch manager in sales and mechanic as a mechanic as well. And his biggest thing was efficiency of your drivers. And if you don't, if you can't get the efficiency right, the rest doesn't really matter because you can't, you can't yeah. execute what you're promising. And I'm going to see you pop out with one of the Domino specials to say, deliver it within two hours or you get <laughs> half the pizza. <laughs> <It was> like... <laughs> but yeah, that, they, that's what they, you know, we're the Uber Eats of the hire industry. That's probably the best way to put it. Yeah. yeah. No, that's very impressive. I think a lot of people listening to this would be like, oh, I don't know how our business could ever like, yeah. uh, agree or even achieve those types of things. Because I reckon most companies barely even track whether they achieve those goals. It's it's a that is the KPI for our high controllers. It's you know obviously customer service, giving them uh, giving the customer what they need, expert advice. Some, and seventy percent of the time the customer calls up, they, they don't even know what they want. Mm. Um, and if we can give them the right support that they need, hey, we've got a couple options here. That's obviously the most important thing. Um, but second to that is reliability on turnaround times. It's vital. Yeah. No, that's, that's very impressive, mate. I think that's, um, I think that's probably part of the key thing around your growth. Yeah, like customers trusting you with their Def- job sites. Definitely, definitely it is. Because you, I got a story actually. So, yeah. so I was moving house. So I'm, I'm pretty close with Ken Tire. Like I, yeah. I did stuff with them when I was at base plan and all that sort of stuff. And I always like hired my, my moving trucks. Yeah, through Kenards and. Um, I always got like a good deal through like head office and stuff. Like, yeah, just rock up to whatever it is. And I'll, there was one in Horns. I was moving to Hornsby, which is uh, northwest. And I was just so used to the Kennard service, yeah? Like yeah. you walk in, the branch man is like high-fiving you and excited. And, oh, yeah, we've got the thing out the front. You need, I'll show you some like how-to guides on how to use the, like, the machine or the truck, whatever it is. And it's always just like smooth, yeah? Yeah. Uh, but the price is obviously higher than normal. Definitely. Uh, across the road was a smaller company, which I won't name. I don't want to throw them under the bus. No, of course. But I was like, maybe I'll give the small guy a go. Yeah. Like really small. Like I'm talking like really, really small. And so I um, I was like, I'm not going to call Ken Arts. I'm just going to like call this guy and, and book in like a moving truck. Yeah. And I get there and like, it's just a complete shit fight. Yeah. Like shit is everywhere. Like you can't move anything around. 
Uh, he didn't have my reservation. Like, wasn't even sure like whether he had a truck available for me and all that sort of stuff. And I was just like, I could, are you, like, as a customer, you feel that like, it's like, why would I want to come back here and hire this? And then to top it off, I got in it. And then I was like, wait, the truck's manual. Yep. I don't drive manual. He was like, that's, that's all we got. And I was just like, well, I can't hire the truck. Yep. And he's like, oh, I'll give you a refund. It's all good. And then like, I went across and went and hired it from Canards straight away. But like those sorts of experiences, like customers don't forget that stuff. And I think businesses that have been around for like 30 years that have just always done stuff the same way. Yep. They're like, we've already paid off half of our equipment and we're making money. Like why, why change? But these new companies that are coming in that need to grow, like you can never have that type of experience here. Agreed. It's unacceptable. 100% agree. So, I mean, that's with us. You know, with the biggest thing, another thing with our sales guys, you know, they go on site. They're not sales guys. They're, they're another person on site that's here to help you. Um, and, you know, I know a lot of companies recruit people with experience with major hire companies. Our biggest thing is we go and find tradies trying to get off the tools because they can go on site mm. and they can talk to another tradie without giving them that sales pitch. And I think if you have a chat to a lot of con- guys in construction, especially project managers and construction managers and stuff like that, do they want a sales person with the traditional sales approach come and approach you hey we've got the best gear and they come in with the suit and tie or do you have a guy that comes in that can relate to another construction person yeah, it's like, you know, oh, I, before i did a similar project and we did that's, xyz that's right and and you know and we're seeing that happen in construction women are starting to you know be tradies and there's no reason why they can't go on site and speak to another tradesman now and we're very big on that model is finding construction guys who can speak they can go on site and help you and not so much come across as that car sales vibe, mm. but more of a, we're another person on site. We can help you. This is what I think you need. Yeah, it makes a big difference. Yeah. I think the same thing applies and it's not super common, but I feel like if it was more, it'd be beneficial, like mechanics, yep. that transition into sales. I think JLG do that, don't they? I'm not sure. I think um, Chris, our rep at JLG, he was a mechanic for JLG, I believe, and Mm. now he's he's our because like when he when they turn up they understand the the engineering and all that sort of stuff behind just of how course. to repair the machine and they're not going to lie to you yeah definitely <laughs> but, and they know but, the and, and the thing is they're, they're usually pretty open to saying no it can't do that yeah which is kind of what you want yeah definitely you want them to tell you the limitations so then you know that you don't get trapped up later on definitely i mean i can talk about one of our suppliers um cole adams at, at tut bryant i mean he would just tell you flat out the truthful answer. And that is what we want 100% of the time. I can work with factual information. If you give me something that's, oh, possibly, or I'm not too sure, maybe, that tells me that, you know, there's still an area that it may not happen. But I can work with this, it's two weeks, and that means two weeks. Mm. And Cole's very good at that. Um, so shout out to Cole if he listens. Um, but all our, and all our suppliers are like that, you know, yeah. JLG's unreal with us. Um, Manitou, you know, Clint Sheedy, who helps us out quite a lot. He just tells us honestly, this is the turnaround time. It's landed. It's two weeks from now. I can't get this part. We're going to have to source it from Sydney, whatever it is. We can work with factual information. There's nothing worse than that gray area of one to six weeks because, you can't give the board an answer, can you? Yeah. And then it's even like 
more complex when you're selling higher to a contractor that has all these elements around him. That's right. That he's saying, yeah, you know, we can get this machine or we can do this or it can do this like type of role that you like want in like the specification of the machine. Definitely. Because um, you get trapped up straight away. And as soon as you delay someone's job and yep. they've got people standing it around, like they're not going to hire it you It can again. fracture the relationship. They're not going to hire from you That's again. Right. And now you're throwing favors and stand downs and all these things That's just right. to like save them or credits. Yeah. Just to like make them happy. Yeah. When if you did it right at the very beginning, none of that would have really happened. Agreed. Because people just want to do their job. 100%. Like the hire company is just like complimenting what they're actually doing. Like it's, they're not living their day by the hire company's machines. <laughs> like, oh, that's all we do all day. It's, it's no, no, no. I'm actually building something or reaching something or moving something. Yeah. That's actually my priority. Yeah. And if, this is stopping me from doing what my priority is. Yeah. And I need to find someone that can pro- provide that as a service. That's right. And it's funny, it's, you sort of speak to people in construction, or sorry, people that don't understand construction and they don't even know what hire is. They, oh. didn't, they don't even know that it's even an industry. It's funny. Um, but you know, when you're in the hire industry, you know how important it is to construction. Um, you know, and you can have a breakdown on a machine um, and you're sp- speaking to the common person, they go, well, it can't be that big of a deal. You've still got trades on site. Well, some of them can be reliant on, like the whole day can be reliant on that one machine. Yeah, oh, 100%. And so, so that's just another thing they have to worry about. Yeah. Um, I guess that's where, like those, the really successful businesses are the ones that the machines just work. Definitely. They're on time and yep. all that sort of stuff. And your field service techs and your backup service is so, so important. Um, but yeah, we've, I mean, we've got one. Uh, ideally I'd love to one day um, especially as the fleet gets bigger but your backup service is one of the most important things for Calvary yeah very yeah. nice alright finally uh, how do you define success success from a business perspective and then I mean everyone's got a different measuring stick um, but one thing I'm really passionate about is people around me rising up I'm massive on it so um, identifying other people's goals in their careers and how I can help them get to that. Um, obviously, business and making money and all that type of stuff is that's, that's the generic successful yeah. stuff. But my biggest thing is looking back in 10, 15 years and I've worked with someone and I've helped them grow and they become a branch manager one day or a general manager or even my boss or whatever it is, being involved in something positive in someone's life and, you know, and I think some people at Calm Hire have come to us with no real journey. You know, they they haven't seen hire as a career. Um, And some of them are leading divisions now. And I think to me that's success. And that's um, something I'm really passionate about is rising people up around the group, you know, because really as a manager, you're only as good as the people around you, aren't you? Mm -hmm. So um, not one manager can do everything. You need a good, strong unit around you to help. Um, So, yeah, success to me is the people around me rising up yes all right matt well thank you for coming on the rental journal podcast anytime thanks for your time thank you very much 